welcome to the HJ Talks About Abuse podcast, the podcast where we talk about sexual abuse cases in the hope that it will assist listeners in openly discussing topics which have been ignored for too long. This podcast is brought to you by the abuse team at Hugh James. We are lawyers, so we tend to speak about the legal aspects of abuse cases, but we aren't too shy to speak up about the broader issues faced by survivors of sexual abuse too. We hope that you find it interesting, but more than that, if you are a survivor of sexual abuse, we hope that you find our discussion empowering. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Alan Collins. I'm the partner who heads up the abuse team at Hugh James, and I'm joined by my colleague, Danielle Vincent. Hi, Danny. Hi, Alan. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about the recent court case in New York involving Donald Trump. You've probably seen the news headlines. Donald Trump sexually abused E. Jean Carroll, a, a New York jury finds. So that's what we're going to be talking about. But before we get underway, I need to give the health warning that we always give in these podcasts, which is basically we're going to be talking about sensitive matters, which can be upsetting. And so if you think you're going to be troubled in any shape or form by this podcast, now's the time to turn away, switch off and go and do something else. Otherwise, please do stay with us. So let's get on to the podcast and Donald Trump, the ex-US president. And we should say at the outset that Donald Trump disputes the allegations that have been made against him, um, disputes the verdict, the um, jury in the trial, and apparently may well be appealing. And I think he was also saying that he couldn't have a fair trial in New York. So I think we have to understand very clearly that Donald Trump disputes what's been alleged and what the jury has found and and so on. So we're not in a position to go into the ins and outs of who's right, who's wrong and all that kind of thing, because we weren't there. So what we're going to be talking about is some of the issues that this case has thrown up. And we're going to do a sort of compare and contrast between how things seem to work in New York in comparison with how they work over here in across the the pond in the UK. So I've almost finished my introduction, but before I do finish it, let's just remember that following a civil trial, this jury in New York found against Donald Trump and in favour of the plaintiff E. Jean Carroll and awarded her $5 million in damages. Trump had been accused by the plaintiff of serious sexual assault which included rape through digital penetration following a chance encounter some years ago in a Manhattan department store. And Trump denied the allegation in its entirety. And as I've pointed out, the jury found that he'd sexually abused and defamed the former magazine writer, but it did not find that he had raped her as alleged. So let's look at some of the issues. And I think, Danny, one of the most striking was the one where it was put to the plaintiff when she was giving evidence and it was being cross-examined, but she hadn't screamed at the time. And I think it was being alleged or implied that if you're being sexually assaulted, you would scream. Now, for me, that was very striking because in my experience of these, these cases, a victim or survivor will not necessarily scream when they're being abused or assaulted. You know, they describe how they they freeze um, both physically, emotionally, mentally, so to speak, when, you know, they're going through what's happening to them, when they're going through the ordeal of being 
assaulted. So, Danny, that's my experience of these situations. Any thoughts or comments? Yeah, I think you're you're right there, Alan. I mean, when, when we've been looking at the, the press in relation to this, and as we say, you know, it's going to be limited what's going to be reported. The fact that, that a sexual assault victim has not screened, it's just shocking that this has been something that's been focused on, because as you, you are very rightly so, we as humans react differently to all different scenarios. We don't know the specifics of what exactly has happened here, but it doesn't mean that because some he's not screaming out shouting pushing away that there was any consent that you know that it just makes me really angry actually when I read it and I think most people especially individuals that work with any form of sexual abuse survivor whether that be solicitors counsel anybody rape crisis centers we're all going to be really angry that this has been made a point of because Again, does it then mean that if somebody has now been sexually assaulted and they read this article and they didn't scream out, are they going to be put off by now bringing a claim because or reporting to the police because they've wrongly seen this and thought, oh, I'll be cross-examined on this? It's an, it's an awful point to run. It is. I can only go by what survivors and victims tell me. You know, they often feel to blame for what happened because they didn't resist it, you know, they didn't lash out, they didn't shout, they didn't scream. And they've got this burden of carrying this misplaced guilt. But when you talk to them, you know, they sort of explain that they just felt unable to speak. It's almost as if they, they're paralysed in, in many ways when yeah. they're going through through the ordeal. And I think we have to have a degree of empathy and understanding and I think all, all, all the listeners of this podcast will, will understand there have been situations in your, your life where you think you would react in a certain way. And then if you have been in a similar situation and you haven't, we've all been in situations where you've said to your friend or family member, why didn't you do this? Mm. You know, and we're not talking about the, these horrendous things that have happened to, to this poor woman. Any example you can think of when something's happened to you. For our listeners, for an easy example, if you've ever been in a car crash, and I have, got out of the car, not thought to take the other person, so been so shaken up, haven't reacted how you should. And that mm. is, you know, just one example of how we as humans are programmed in our heads to think, oh, well, if this happened to me, this is what I would do. But then when it actually happens to you, you don't know how you're going to react, the adrenaline in your body it's just an awful situation that there's an expectation for an individual that, that is having probably the most traumatic thing that's ever going to happen to them, that there's a textbook response of how they're going to react because there really is never going to be. Yes, and I think the next striking point for me is the fact that the case was heard by a jury. And of course, this was a civil case. This is where the plaintiff is suing the defendant for damages, for compensation. So here, by and large, we don't have jury trials in civil cases. So in all the cases that we bring in the High Court on behalf of survivors against, you know, whether it's the abuser or whoever it is responsible for the abuser, we just have a judge. The judge hears all the evidence and then decides, you know, is the case made out or not? You know, the judge hears the evidence and applies the law. There's no jury. So I think that's a, a striking contrast. And you know, sometimes I wonder how our clients would fare if they were able to have a jury trial, because sometimes I think they would possibly have, in many situations, 
a more just outcome if they had a jury. See, I would disagree with you on that point, actually, Alan. Mm. I would say that I'm quite glad in our civil cases in this country. So so for our listeners who aren't aware in this country, as you've said, there's not normally a jury in America. There was. So in the point that we've just talked about in depth before that she didn't scream out, you know, that may have swayed a jury depending on what the mix and makeup is of, of that selected jury on That's true. Yeah. whether there was guilt. And, you, you know, in our society today, there's a there's a real mix of people's opinions. We've talked about this lots on our podcast before in regards to sexual assaults when people have gone out whether their clothing, you know, whether you look at someone's clothing, whether that's, you know, an indication of that. We, we've heard it before, while well, they deserved it, they were wearing this, but that, that old school thought process, which is just so out of sync with how we should be in society. My worry would be if we had civil cases in this country where it's a mix of a jury, is potentially no consistency because you could have a jury of a mix of people that find one way and then a jury in the exact same case in the next town or the next city that which would have a completely different opinion of it. Yeah, um, you know, I understand where you're coming from, but I can think of cases where I think a jury would have gone in a completely different direction to a judge because I think sometimes a jury might be more inclined to do justice to a situation rather than be too concerned about the law on a particular issue. I think when we're talking about a hurdle, obviously, with our civil claims is a case being brought out of limitation. I think having a jury on that situation would be very beneficial to to the client because there would be a lot of understanding of why you wouldn't bring a claim within Mm. such a short period of time. But I actually think findings of guilt, I think that could be much more difficult. Okay, and another difference, of course, is the level of compensation. Because in you know in this particular case in New York, the plaintiff has been awarded five million dollars in damages for the abuse and the 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 libel. In our sexual abuse cases in this country, you know the compensation is governed by precedent. In other words, you know judges follow what other judges have done. So you've got this history of case law, this history of precedent, which governs what people are awarded. And judges have guidelines, judicial guidelines on on damages. And if they stray from that, they can be appealed. So it's a very sort of different concept to, you know, what we've seen in this particular case. I think juries would be very often far more generous than judges, because I think jurors would want to do justice to the situation as they see it. Yeah, and as we were discussing in this country, you receive damages for your pain, loss of suffering, and then also associated losses, so loss of earnings, medical treatment, things like that. Now, America is known for their medical treatment being significantly more expensive, so we don't know the specifics of the breakdown of this case, but yes, she's in the region of of $5 million. The, The highest award in this country to date is around the £1 million mark, but we don't know what losses she claimed in association in regards to, as you say, she was a former magazine writer, whether she lost considerable amounts of work and lucrative work in that way. And that's why the award has been so high. But it will be interesting to find out what the breakdown was of of that compensation. You know, I think people are generally unimpressed by the level of compensation in this country, which is in many ways unimpressive. And, you know, I don't think over the last half century, 
compensation has kept pace with inflation and changes in society and so on. In my humble opinion, often inadequate and, and unjust, but as we often have to say to clients, we have to operate within the law as it is, as opposed to um, how we would like it to be. Yeah, and, and this lady that has been compensated, you know, we all have to consider that her name has been splashed internationally. You know, that may really impact her future relationships, work, everything that comes with it. She's mm. basically, you know, gone to court against probably one of the most famous men in the world right now. Yeah, well, on that interesting note, we'll draw this podcast to a close. Thank you for listening as always. And if you have any thoughts or comments about this podcast or any of our podcasts, then please do get in touch and tell us. Otherwise, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Danny. Bye, podcast listener. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of HJ Talks About Abuse. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favourite podcast player. If you'd like to speak to us about something you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you email us at aboutabuse at hjtalks.co.uk.